On Fasting, Part 2 by Tertullian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. In like manner, they censure on account of novelty our stations as being enjoined. Some, moreover, censure them too as being prolonged habitually too late, saying that this duty also ought to be observed of free choice, and not continued beyond the ninth hour, deriving their rule, of course, from their own practice. Well, as to that which pertains to the question of injunction, I will once for all give a reply to suit all causes. Now, turning to the point which is proper to this particular cause, concerning the limit of time, I mean, I must first demand from themselves whence they derive this prescriptive law for concluding stations at the ninth hour. If it is from the fact that we read that Peter and he who was with him entered the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, who will prove to me that they had that day been performing a station, so as to interpret the ninth hour as the hour for the conclusion and discharge of the station? Nay, but you would more easily find that Peter at the sixth hour had, for the sake of taking food, gone up first on the roof to pray, so that the sixth hour of the day may the rather be made the limit to this duty, which in Peter's case was apparently to finish that duty after prayer. So that the sixth hour of the day may the rather be made the limit to this duty, which in Peter's case was apparently to finish that same duty after prayer. Further, since in the selfsame commentary of Luke, the third hour is demonstrated as an hour of prayer, about which hour it was that they who had received the initiatory gift of the Holy Spirit were held for drunkards, and the sixth at which Peter went up on the roof, and the ninth at which they entered the temple, why should we not understand that with absolute perfect indifference we must pray always, and everywhere, and at every time, yet still that these three hours, as being more marked in things human, hours which divide the day, which distinguish businesses, which re-echo in the public ear, have likewise ever been of special solemnity in divine prayers, a persuasion which is sanctioned also by the corroborative fact of Daniel praying thrice in the day, of course through exception of certain stated hours, no other, moreover, than the more marked and subsequently apostolic hours, the third, the sixth, the ninth. And hence, accordingly, I shall affirm that Peter, too, had been led rather by ancient usage to the observance of the ninth hour, praying at the third specific interval, the interval of final prayer. These arguments, moreover, we have advanced for their sakes, who think that they are acting in conformity with Peter's model, a model of which they are ignorant, not as if we slighted the ninth hour, an hour which on the fourth and sixth days of the week we most highly honour, but because of those things which are observed on the ground of tradition, we are bound to adduce so much the more worthy reason that they lack the authority of Scripture, until by some signal celestial gift they be either confirmed or else corrected. And if, says the Apostle, these are matters which ye are ignorant about, the Lord will reveal to you. Accordingly, setting out of the question the confirmer of all such things, the paraclete, the guide of universal truth, inquire whether there be not a worthier reason adduced among us for the observing of the ninth hour, so that this reason of ours must be attributed even to Peter if he observed a station at the time in question. 
for the practice comes from the death of the Lord, which death, albeit it behoves to be commemorated always without difference of ours, yet are we at that time more impressively commended to its commemoration according to the actual meaning of the name of station. For even soldiers, though never unmindful of their military oath, yet pay a greater deference to stations. And so the pressure must be maintained up to that hour in which the orb, involved from the sixth hour in a general darkness, performed for its dead lord a sorrowful act of duty. And so the pressure must be maintained up to the hour in which the orb, involved from the sixth hour in a general darkness, performed for its dead lord a sorrowful act of duty, so that we too may then return to enjoyment when the universe regained its sunshine. If this savours more of the spirit of Christian religion, while it celebrates more the glory of Christ, I am equally able, from the selfsame order of events, to fix the condition of late retraction of the station, namely, that we are to fast till a late hour, awaiting the time of the Lord's sepulture, when Joseph took down and entombed the body which he had requested. Thence it follows that it is even irreligious for the flesh of the servants to take refreshment before their Lord did. But let it suffice to have thus far joined issue on the argumentative challenge, rebutting, as I have done, conjectures by conjectures, and yet, as I think, by conjectures more worthy of a believer. Let us see whether any such principle drawn from the ancient times takes us under its patronage. In Exodus was not that position of Moses battling against Amalek by prayers, maintained as it was, perseveringly even till sunset, a late station? Think we that Joshua the son of Nun, when warring down the Amorites, had breakfasted on that day on which he ordered the very elements to keep a station. The sun stood in Gibeon, and the moon in Ajalon. The sun and the moon stood in station until the people was avenged of his enemies, and the sun stood in the mid-heaven. When, moreover, the sun did draw toward his setting, and the end of the one day, there was no such day before time, and in the latest time, of course, no day so long, that God, says the writer, should hear a man, a man, to be sure, the sun's peer so long persistent in his duty, a station longer even than late. At all events, Saul himself, when engaged in battle, manifestly enjoined this duty, Cursed be the man who shall have eaten bread until evening, until I avenge me on mine enemy. And his whole people tasted not food, and yet the whole earth was breakfasting. So solemn a sanction, moreover, did God confer on the edict which enjoined that station, that Jonathan, the son of Saul, although it had been in ignorance of the fast having been appointed till a late hour, that he had allowed himself a taste of honey, was both presently convicted by lot of sin, and with difficulty exempted from punishment through the prayer of the people for he had been convicted of gluttony although of a simple kind but with all daniel in the first year of king darius when fasting in sackcloth and ashes he was doing exomologesis to god said and while i was still speaking in prayer behold the man whom i had seen in dreams at the beginning swiftly flying approached me as it were at the hour of the evening sacrifice this will be a late station which fasting until the evening sacrifices a fatter victim of prayer to god but all these instances i believe to be unknown to those who are in a state of agitation at our proceedings or else known by the reading alone not by careful study as well 
in accordance with the greater bulk of the unskilled among the over-boastful multitude to wit of the psychics. This is why we have steered our course straight through the different individual species of fastings, of xerophages, of stations, in order that while we recount, according to the materials which we find in either testament, the advantages which the dutiful observances of abstinence from, or curtailment, or deferment of food confer, we may refute those who invalidate these things as empty observances, and again, while we similarly point out in what rank of religious duty, they have always had places, may confute those who accuse them as novelties. For neither is that novel which has always been, nor that empty which is useful. The question, however, still lies before us, that some of these observances, having been commanded by God to man, have constituted this practice legally binding. Some, offered by man to God, have discharged some votive obligation. Still, even a vow, when it has been accepted by God, constitutes a law for the time to come, owing to the authority of the acceptor, for he who has given his approbation to a deed, when done, has given a mandate for its doing thenceforward. And so, from this consideration, again, the wrangling of the opposite party is silenced, while they say, It is either a pseudo-prophecy, if it is a spiritual voice which institutes these your solemnities, or else a heresy, if it is a human presumption which devises them. For, while censoring that form in which the ancient economies ran their course, and at the same time drawing out of that form arguments to hurl back upon us, which the very adversaries of the ancient economies will in their turn be able to retort, they will be bound either to reject those arguments, or else to undertake these proven duties which they impugn, necessarily so, chiefly because these very duties which they impugn, from whatsoever institutor they are, be he a spiritual man or a merely ordinary believer, direct their course to the honour of the same God as the ancient economies. For indubitably both heresy and pseudo-prophecy will, in the eyes of us who are all priests of one only God, the Creator, and of his Christ, be judged by diversity of divinity. And so far forth I defend this side indifferently, offering my opponents to join issue on whatever ground they choose. It is the spirit of the devil, you say, O psychic. And how is it that he enjoins duties which belong to our God, and enjoins them to be offered to none other than our God? Either contend that the devil works with our God, or else let the paraclete be held to be Satan. But you affirm it is a human antichrist, for by this name heretics are called in John. And how is it that, whoever he is, he has in name of our Christ directed these duties towards our Lord, whereas with all antichrists have ever gone forth professedly teaching towards God, but in opposition to our Christ? On which side, then, do you think the Spirit is confirmed as existing among us, when he commands, or when he approves, what our God has always both commanded and approved? But you again set up boundary posts to God, as with regard to grace, so with regard to discipline, as with regard to gifts, so too with regard to solemnities, so that our observances are supposed to have ceased in like manner as his benefits, and you thus deny that he still continues to impose duties, because in this case again the law and the prophets were until John. It remains for you to banish him wholly, being as he is so far as lies in you so otiose. For by this time, in this respect, as well as others, you are reigning in wealth and satiety. 
not making inroads upon such sins as fasts diminish nor feeling need of such revelations as xerophages extort nor apprehending such wars of your own as stations dispel grant that from the time of john the paraclete had grown mute we ourselves would have arisen as prophets to ourselves for this cause chiefly i say not now to bring down by our prayers god's anger nor to obtain his protection or grace but to secure by premonition the moral position of the latest times enjoining every species of tapinophronesis since the prison must be familiarized to us and hunger and thirst practised and capacity of enduring as well the absence of food as anxiety about it acquired in order that the christian may enter into prison in like condition as if he had just come forth of it to suffer there not penalty but discipline and not the world's tortures but his own habitual observances and to go forth out of custody to the final conflict with all the more confidence having nothing of sinful false care of the flesh about him so that the tortures may not even have material to work on since he is curious in a mere dry skin and cased in horn to meet the claws the succulence of his blood already sent on heavenward before him the baggage as it were of his soul the soul herself withal now hastening after it having already by frequent fasting gained a most intimate knowledge of death plainly your habit is to furnish cook-shops in the prisons to untrustworthy martyrs for fear they should miss their accustomed usages grow weary of life and be stumbled at the novel discipline of abstinence a discipline which not even the well-known pristinus your martyr no christian martyr had ever come in contact with he whom stuffed as he had long been thanks to the facilities afforded by the free custody now in vogue and under an obligation i suppose to all the baths as if they were better than baptism and to all the retreats of voluptuousness as if they were more secret than those of the church and to all the allurements of this life as if they were of more worth than those of life eternal not to be willing to die on the very last day of trial at high noon you premedicated with drugged wine as an antidote and so completely innovated that on being tickled for his intoxication made it feel like tickling with a few claws he was unable any more to make answer to the presiding officer interrogating him whom he professed to be lord and being now put on the rack for this silence when he could utter nothing but hiccups and belchings died in the very act of apostasy this is why they who preach sobriety are false prophets this is why they who practice it are heretics why then hesitate to believe that the paraclete whom you deny in amontinus exists in an apicius you lay down a prescription that this faith has its solemnities appointed by the scriptures or the tradition of the ancestors and that no further addition in the way of observance must be added on account of the unlawfulness of innovation stand on that ground if you can for behold i impeach you of fasting besides on the paschal day beyond the limits of those days in which the bridegroom was taken away and interposing the half-feasts of stations and you i find sometimes living on bread and water when it has seemed meet to each so to do in short you answer that these things are to be done of choice not of command you have changed your ground therefore by exceeding tradition in undertaking observances which have not been appointed but what kind of deed is it to permit to your own choice what you grant not to be the command of god shall human volition have more license than divine power 
I am mindful that I am free from the world, not from God. Thus it is my part to perform without external suggestion thereto an act of respect to my Lord. It is his to enjoin. I ought not merely to pay a willing obedience to him, but withal to court him. For the former I rend to his command, the latter to my own choice. But it is enough for me that it is a customary practice for the bishops withal to issue mandates for fasts to the universal commonality of the church. I do not mean for the special purpose of collecting contributions of alms, as your beggarly fashion has it, but sometimes too from some particular cause of ecclesiastical solicitude. And accordingly, if you practice tapinophronesis at the bidding of a man's edict and all unitedly, how is it that in our case you set a brand upon the very unity also of our fastings and xerophages and stations, unless perhaps it is against the decrees of the Senate and the mandates of the emperors which are opposed to meetings that we are sinning? The Holy Spirit, when he was preaching in whatsoever lands he chose and through whomsoever he chose, was wont from foresight of the imminence either of temptations to befall the church or of plagues to befall the world in his character of paraclete that is advocate for the purpose of winning over the judge by prayers to issue mandates for observances of this nature for instance at the present time with the view of practising the discipline of sobriety and abstinence we who receive him must necessarily observe also the appointments which he then made Look at the Jewish calendar, and you will find it nothing novel that all succeeding posterity guards with hereditary scrupulousness the precepts given to the fathers. Besides, throughout the provinces of Greece, there are held in definite localities those councils gathered out of the universal churches by whose means not only all the deeper questions are handled for the common benefit, but the actual representation of the whole Christian name is celebrated with great veneration. And how worthy a thing is this that, under the auspices of faith, men should congregate from all quarters to Christ. See how good and how enjoyable for brethren to dwell in unity. This psalm you know not easily how to sing except when you are supping with a goodly company. But those conclaves first, by the operations of stations and fastings, know what it is to grieve with the grieving, and thus at last to rejoice in company with the rejoicing. If we also in our diverse provinces, but present mutually in spirit, observe those very solemnities, whose then celebration our present discourse has been defending, that is the sacramental law. Being, therefore, observers of seasons for these things, and of days and months and years, we galaticize. Plainly we do, if we are observers of Jewish ceremonies, of legal solemnities, for those the apostle unteaches, suppressing the continuance of the old testament which has been buried in christ and establishing that of the new but if there is a new creation in christ our solemnities too will be bound to be new else if the apostle has erased all devotion absolutely of seasons and days and months and years why do we celebrate the passover by an annual rotation in the first month why in the fifty ensuing days do we spend our time in all exaltation why do we devote to stations the fourth and sixth days of the week and to fasts the preparation day anyhow you sometimes continue your station even over the sabbath a day never to be kept as a fast except at the passover season according to a reason elsewhere given 
with us at all events every day likewise is celebrated by an ordinary consecration and it will not then be in the eyes of the apostle the differentiating principle distinguishing as he is doing things new and old which will be ridiculous but in this case too it will be your own unfairness while you taunt us with the form of antiquity all the while you are laying against us the charge of novelty the apostle reprobates likewise such as bid to abstain from meats but he does so from the foresight of the holy spirit pre-condemning already the heretics who would enjoin perpetual abstinence to the extent of destroying and despising the works of the creator such as i may find in the person of a marcion a tatian or a jupiter the pythagorean heretic of to-day not in the person of the paraclete for how limited is the extent of our interdiction of meats two weeks of xerophages in the year and not the whole of these the sabbaths to wit and the lord's days being accepted we offer to god abstaining from things which we do not reject but defer but further when writing to the romans the apostle now gives you a home thrust detractors as you are of this observance do not for the sake of food he says undo the work of god what work that about which he says it is good not to eat flesh and not to drink wine for he who in these points doeth service is pleasing and propitiable to our god one believeth that all things may be eaten but another being weak feedeth on vegetables let not him who eateth lightly esteem him who eateth not who art thou who judgest another's servant both he who eateth and he who eateth not giveth god thanks but since he forbids human choice to be made matter of controversy how much more divine thus he knew how to chide certain restrictors and interdictors of food such as abstained from it of contempt not of duty but to approve such as did so to the honour not the insult of the creator and if he has delivered you the keys of the meat-market permitting the eating of all things with a view to establishing the exception of things offered to idols still he has not included the kingdom of god in the meat-market for he says the kingdom of god is neither meat nor drink and food commendeth us not to god not that you may think this said about dry diet but rather about rich and carefully prepared if when he subjoins neither if we shall have eaten shall we abound nor if we shall have not eaten shall we be deficient the ring of his words suits as it does you rather than us who think that you do abound if you eat and are deficient if you eat not and for this reason disparage these observances how unworthy also is the way in which you interpret to the favour of your own lust the fact that the lord ate and drank promiscuously but i think that he must have likewise fasted inasmuch as he has pronounced not the full but the hungry and thirsty blessed he who was wont to profess food to be not that which his disciples had supposed but the thorough doing of his father's work teaching to labour for the meat which is permanent unto life eternal in our ordinary prayer likewise commanding us to request bread not the wealth of attalus therewithal thus too isaiah has not denied that god hath chosen a fast but has particularized in detail the kind of fast which he has not chosen for in the days he says of your fasts your own wills are found indulged and all who are subject to you ye stealthily sting or else ye fast with a view to abuse and strifes and ye smite with the fists not such a fast have i elected but such an one as he has subjoined and by subjoining has not abolished but confirmed 
for even if he does prefer the works of righteousness, still not without a sacrifice, which is a soul afflicted with fasts, he, at all events, is the God to whom neither a people incontinent of appetite, nor a priest, nor a prophet was pleasing. To this day the monuments of concupiscence remain, where the people, greedy of flesh, till by devouring without digesting the quails they brought on cholera, were buried. Eli breaks his neck before the temple doors, his sons fall in battle, his daughter-in-law expires in childbirth, for such was the blow which had been deserved at the hand of God by the shameless house, the defrauder of the fleshly sacrifices. Same as a man of God, after prophesying the issue of the idolatry introduced by King Jeroboam, after the drying up and immediate restoration of that king's hand, after the rending in twain of the sacrificial altar, being on account of these signs invited home by the king by way of recompense, plainly declined, for he had been prohibited by God, to touch food at all in that place, but having presently afterwards rashly taken food from another old man, who lyingly professed himself a prophet, he was deprived, in accordance with the word of God, then and there uttered over the table, of burial in his father's sepulchres. For he was prostrated by the rushing of a lion upon him in the way, and was buried among strangers, and thus paid the penalty of his breach of fast. These will be warnings both to people and to bishops, even spiritual ones, in case they may ever have been guilty of incontinence of appetite. Nay, even in Hades the admonition has not ceased to speak, where we find in the person of the rich feaster convivialities tortured, in that of the pauper fasts refreshed. Here we find in the person of the rich feaster convivialities tortured, in that of the pauper fasts refreshed, having, as convivialities and fasts alike had, as preceptors Moses and the prophets. For Joel withal exclaimed, Sanctify a fast and a religious service, foreseeing even then that other apostles and prophets would sanction fasts and would preach observances of special service to God. Whence it is that even they who caught their idols by dressing them and by adorning them in their sanctuary and by saluting them at each particular hour are said to do them service. But more than that, the heathens recognize every form of tapinophronesis, when the heaven is rigid and the year arid, barefooted processions are enjoined by public proclamation. The magistrates lay aside their purple, reverse the faces, utter prayer, offer a victim. There are, moreover, some colonies where, besides these extraordinary solemnities, the inhabitants, by an annual rite, clad in sackcloth and besprent with ashes, present a suppliant importunity to their idols, while baths and shops are kept shut till the ninth hour. They have one single fire in public on the altars, no water even in their platters. There is, I believe, a Ninevitan suspension of business. A Jewish fast, at all events, is universally celebrated, while neglecting the temples throughout all the shore, in every open place, they continue long to send prayer up to heaven. And albeit by the dress and ornamentation of mourning they disgrace the duty, still they do affect a faith in abstinence and sigh for the arrival of the long lingering evening star to sanction their feeding. But it is enough for me that you, by heaping blasphemies upon our xerophages, put them on a level with that chastity of an Isis and a Cybele. I admit the comparison in the way of evidence. Hence our xerophagy will be proved divine, which the devil, the emulator of things divine, imitates. 
it is out of truth that falsehood is built out of religion that superstition is compacted hence you are more irreligious in proportion as a heathen is more conformable he in short sacrifices his appetite to an idol god you to the true god will not for to you your belly is god and your lungs a temple and your paunch a sacrificial altar and your cook the priest and your fragrant smell the holy spirit and your condiments spiritual gifts and your belching prophecy old you are if we will say the truth you who are so indulgent to appetite and justly do you vaunt your priority always do i recognize the savour of esau the hunter of wild beasts so unlimitedly studious are you of catching field fares so do you come from the field of your most lax discipline so faint are you in spirit if i offer you a paltry lentil dyed red with must well boiled down forthwith will you sell all your primacies with you love shows its fervour in saucepans faith its warmth in kitchens hope its anchorage in waiters but of greater account is love because that is the means whereby your young men sleep with their sisters appendages as we all know of appetite are lavishness and voluptuousness which alliance the apostle withal was aware of and hence after premising not in drunkenness and revels he adjoined nor in couches and lusts to the indictment of your appetite pertains the charge that double honour is with you assigned to your presiding elders by double shares of meat and drink whereby the apostle has given them double honour as being both brethren and officers who among you is superior in holiness except him who is more frequent in banqueting more sumptuous in catering more learned in cups men of soul and flesh alone as you are justly do you reject things spiritual if the prophets were not pleasing to such my prophets they were not why then do you not constantly preach let us eat and drink for to-morrow we shall die just as we do not hesitate manfully to command let us fast brethren and sisters lest to-morrow perchance we die openly let us vindicate our disciplines sure we are that they who are in the flesh cannot please god not of course those who are in the substance of the flesh but in the care the affection the work the will of it emaciation displeases not us for it is not by weight that god bestows flesh any more than he does the spirit by measure more easily it may be through the straight gate of salvation will slenderer flesh enter more speedily will lighter flesh rise longer in the sepulchre will drier flesh retain its firmness let olympic cestus players and boxers cram themselves to satiety to them bodily ambition is suitable to whom bodily strength is necessary and yet they also strengthen themselves by xerophages but ours are other thews and other sinews just as our contests withal are other we whose wrestling is not against flesh and blood but against the world's power against the spiritualities of malice against these it is not by robustness of flesh and blood but of faith and spirit that it behoves us to make our antagonistic stand on the other hand an overfed christian will be more necessary to bears and lions perchance than to god only that even to encounter beasts it will be his duty to practise emaciation End of On Fasting, Part 2 by Tertullian